0: Emma and Tom talk teaching, a podcast about all things education, presented by Emma Duha and Tom Breeze. Episode 10 – All About Dance with National Dance Company Wales
1: Hello and welcome back to Emma and Tom Talk Teaching. We hope you're all well. We're often trying our best with this podcast to represent as many subject disciplines as we can. I think we've given quite a few episodes over the years around music and drama because they are our specialisms. But we have never had an episode on dance, a really important discipline within the expressive arts area of learning experience in Wales. And it would probably be fair to say that dance is quite an underrepresented discipline within schools, within the curriculum, and certainly something that even within initial teacher education, I don't think we quite do enough really to prepare future teachers of dance. So we've got an episode today and we've got two very special guests who I will introduce in a moment um, and they will tell you all about themselves so that we can take a bit of a deep dive into dance as a subject discipline and how you might go about teaching if you're not a subject expert. So without further ado, from National Dance Company Wales, we have Paul Keynes, Chief Executive, and we have Maris Lyons, Engagement Producer. Welcome, tell us a bit about yourselves, what you do, tell us about National Dance Company Wales.
2: Well, thank you, Emma. That's a great introduction and uh, it's great to be contributing to your, your focus on dance. Uh, we're obviously passionate about dance and dance teaching and performance and t- dance in all of its guises. National Dance Company Wales, we're a contemporary dance company based in Cardiff Bay, where we have our own studios. And there we create uh, dance work throughout the year. We have a permanent group of dancers who work for us. And then we create that work and tour it all over Wales, all over the UK and internationally. In fact, last week, the company was in Italy and South Korea at the same time, which sounds impossible, but we split our company into two and were performing in two places internationally. But most of our work, most of our work is here in Wales, and we tour to a a large number of venues. And what we're absolutely passionate about is making sure that wherever we perform, we don't just put a show on a stage, although that's very important. We also work with people locally, of all ages actually, to give them an insight into what dance is about and engage them in dance get a chance for them to dance as well and uh, a big part of that as you'd expect is working with young people and particularly in schools so and maris so uh, that sounds like a
0: cute talk about you with yes. your engagement hat on so I guess, how did you end up in such an interesting role and what does it actually involve your job?
3: Yeah, Okay. so I've been in the role for six months now and um, my career has revolved around musical theatre. So I was a a child performer, um, singer, actress and started performing when I was 10. And as I sort of grew older, the more roles involved dancing and I loved dancing. And I wanted to have dance lessons, but I've got two older sisters who both went to ballet and hated it, so when I asked for them, Mum said, No, no, no ballet for you. And regrettably, and I, I do feel so passionate about this, I had no dance in school. None whatsoever. Um, my first dance in school came when I was fourteen in a PE lesson, and I think we had about two weeks of dance. And I really regret that I didn't have that possibility when I was growing up. Now I dance all the time and dance is absolutely an essential aspect to my life. I cannot imagine life without dance and I feel... So I'm just so excited to be here because I really want every young person in Wales, every young person to experience the benefits of dance because they are so multifold, you know, what dance can bring to you as an individual in terms of your personal development, in terms of your enjoyment for life, your... Just you, the quality of your life is massive. So I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm so thrilled that the curriculum for Wales and expressive arts has, has taken place and that dance is on the curriculum because that actually gives me hope for the future and makes me feel more positive because I really believe that if if everybody danced more, the the world would be a better place because of all that it can bring um, in terms of being healthy, you know, mind, body and soul and everything.
1: And I guess this is a bit of a moment in time for dance, a bit like... It is for drama in that mm. we finally got a place at the table on the curriculum. Yeah. We are named uh, within the Expressive Arts AOLA. But that hasn't always been sort of dance's home. A bit like drama, we have often been sort of coupled with English, um, dance mm. often a sort of PE. a branch of PE. Are you happier now that it's found its place within the Expressive Arts I mean, So, is, is that its rightful home? And if so, why?
3: Definitely, because... It, the word expressive is key there. My sisters are PE teachers and I come from um, a sporty family, but dance is, is is very different. Yes, you know, in terms of the physicality, we're using our body and you need, you know, a fit, strong body. But it's the expressiveness that comes with dance that is so different and can bring, you know, different benefits. And it's an expression to music. It is an art form. It is artistry. And I think it is important to differentiate that. It's not gymnastics or artistic gymnastics. It's it's expressive performance. So very separate in in my mind. Yeah.
0: And I think one of the things that While we're all very excited by the new curriculum and having the expressive arts and having the opportunity to connect our subject disciplines, I think one of the things that we've found the more we've looked into this is that we have to make sure we keep sight of the specifics of our disciplines because otherwise they can get a little bit watered down in a kind of general happy, clappy pot called the arts. And all of a sudden the kind of rigour and the, the sort of uniqueness of the subject disciplines is lost, and we've had a fantastic time working with you, uh, talking this through. You know, it's been a been a really good opportunity. So, I think this is why we've got this episode today, specifically about dance. We're going to really kind of have a dive into dance. And so, Paul, I mean, as a dance person who's a chief executive of a dance company and therefore (laughs) spends his working life really living and breathing the art form of dance. For the benefit of any listeners who perhaps are not dance specialists, what would you say if you were asked to say, right, this is the purpose of dance, this is why dance is not the same as
2: other art forms, what would you be telling them? Uh, Well, the key thing for me is that dance is an opportunity to express yourself in a completely different language. It is its own language. And it has really distinctive features compared with other, other art form expressions. So of course, we know that it's about enabling physical expression and it really does encourage pupils to express creative ideas not only through pure dance but also drawing on other art forms thinking about music and drama and, and and visual arts as well so it's it's what it's an art form that that draws on a lot of other disciplines and types of expression but i think the key thing is that it 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 enables the expression of ideas beyond other forms because it's expressing ideas in a completely different way. You know, people come to see dance very often and they feel unconfident because they don't know what they're gonna make of it. They don't know how they're going to interpret it or understand it. But actually the beauty of dance is that it is open to your interpretation. We we shouldn't be too concerned with a choreographer's intentions or ideas, it's about your response to the movement and indeed the mix of all of the other things that you experience when you come to dance. And I think whether you're watching dance or whether you're taking part in dance and being a dancer yourself, that's a really key factor that actually this art form, this wonderful art art form, gives an amazing opportunity to bring your own interpretation your creativity your own meaning to an artistic expression
3: yeah absolutely i'd just like to add on that that um it's you we talked about sport and sport the discipline of 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 moving in a certain way and dance celebrates our uniqueness and it's you know every dancer will move in a different way and bring a part of themselves to the performance and every audience member will see that in a different way so i think where you know dance celebrates what makes us all unique and we will all have unique experiences as performers as audience members we will all see things differently but that that's the power of art that's what makes it art isn't it and that's what makes that different from sport as well and I think that you know that's what makes dance sort of magical in that sense it's it's a unique experience for the audience for the dancer and live in that moment and all of that being said which I'm completely on
1: board with it has had a history of being a sort of curriculum pariah it's been on the outside it's had to make a case over the years Mm -hmm for a place at the table in education. And we know that some of the arguments can be, well, you know, it's not very substantial as a subject. They don't learn anything. And I'm, I'm obviously speaking with a wry smile on my face here because these are a lot of the criticisms that get sort of lodged at, at drama as well. It's not substantial enough as a subject. It doesn't need to be taught, you know, have its own place because it can be taught in English or, you know, it can be taught in PE. So... What would you say as a counter argument to that? What are the unique features of dance? What knowledge, what skills, what, what, partic- what might you expect to learn if you give dance its rightful place in
3: a curriculum offer to young people? I think that um, for me, the learning is, is, is linked to the personal development journey of the child who's dancing. You know, scientists have proven that um, for young people's brains to develop, they need creativity and they need play. And that's essential. And that's where dance can come in. It's very creative. Every time we move our body in a way that we haven't moved before, we're stimulating neurological pathways. So, you know, we go to school to learn and to develop and dance can absolutely help with us developing, you know, neurologically. It can also help with us developing socially in that when we dance, we, we show, uh, you know, a part of ourselves. We're seen and we see, we witness. We have to interact with other people. We have to interact with the space, with the other dancers that we're dancing with, with the audience. And so we learn how to develop relationships. And I think, you know, in today's world, which is very high technical and young people are becoming more and more closed and, you know, on their iPads and phones, dance is actually even more important in today's world to help them learn communication. Dance can do that. It, it, you know, it can it can do that, which is wonderful. The other thing that, you know, dance does that a child, when a child is dancing in school, they will learn to connect to their bodies. They will learn to, to express themselves, to express emotions. They will, when they connect to their bodies, they'll learn to take care of their bodies. Um, When they're dancing, they're exercising their bodies. It's becoming agile, mobile, um, flexible, strong. And, you know, it's been proven that when we live in a body that is fit, healthy and strong, we are healthier and stronger in our minds as well. And we're more focused and we're more successful in life. And when I say successful, I mean, you know, sort of we... we're we're more able to deal with whatever life throws at us. So um, it gives them, you know, a body that will carry them through life. And so for me, those skills are, are really, really important as to why a child should dance in school. But also, you know, they may be stimulated by the art form and it may ignite a passion that they want to, you know, take it as a career in the dance world or discover other careers in dance. But it's also for me so much about their development as human beings. And that's why I'm really thrilled that we're starting young and that we're in primary schools because I can see teenagers lacking in some of the development Things that, you know, they're not happy in life. And I really think that dance can play a a role to to make them healthier and stronger. And Paul sort of brings me into, you know, male dancers as well. In in primary schools, you know, they're mixed. And so boys and girls dance together. And there's no self-consciousness at that age. But um, sadly, you know, when they become teenagers, anyway, they're separated then in boys and girls PE dance really falls away and you know so many boys don't dance and that, that that's really sad because you know they obviously would get the same benefits from it and maybe even more so you know that 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 space to get rid of their energy when they need to we, we've often talked about yeah it's a, it's a
2: huge problem in dance that uh, That there is a stigma about it for for boys some boys and we know that people are being lost to having the experience of dance because of that stigma so we're really committed to trying to give people ways in uh, at all at all stages of their development and life
0: i mean that leads me on actually to what i was going to ask you maybe maybe you can expand on this a bit paul or or maybe you maris which is you've just given a really passionate set of reasons why uh, there should be more dance in schools. If we assume for a moment that the teachers in the schools don't subscribe to the ideas that Emma put forward a minute ago, you know, it's it's not a substantial subject, you know, it's not worth worth doing. If we also kind of accept that there isn't a lot of dance going on in a lot of schools, why is that? What are the barriers? I mean, you've pointed you've, uh, towards one or two of them, but what, what's stopping this from happening, do you think?
3: I think fear, I think um, you know a lot of adults have become self-conscious about dance and if a primary school teacher hasn't danced throughout their lives to suddenly have to expose themselves in front of children to dance will be very fearful and I think that a lot of teachers probably imagine that in order to teach dance they need to know a dance routine and have perfected a perfect dance routine that they need to teach the young children how to do and they need to be able to model it. They're exposed to Strictly Come Dancing which is um, rated you know marks out of 10 and or TikTok which has got some incredible videos and so I think they look at all that and think oh I can't do that but of course dance isn't that you know there's there's no wrong dance as long as you're moving and expressing to the music but i think the 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 fear of not being able to model it not being fit or strong is really strong and and that's where you know we can come in to to really help them
2: yeah there's a perception isn't there that dance is for people who are physically fit and Mm. uh, extremely sporty and athletic Whereas, of course, we know that people can <coughs> express themselves through dance and can learn about dance, whatever their fitness levels. And actually, it's, that's one of the joys of dance, that it is, it, it can be, at its best, really inclusive. Um, it's interesting that there's been, over the last... 10 or 20 years a big rise in inclusive dance in the UK so there are companies many companies which include disabled dancers and I think that there's a real interest and an audience for that work and it's been a real revelation I think in the dance world Uh, and actually Ballet Cymru which is another dance company based not so far away in Newport has been a particular pioneer in that. So there are lots of examples of where dance is, has become very much more inclusive than perhaps people would expect or assume.
1: So you, I think you've you've gone a long way there to convince any naysayers out there that dance does have a rightful place at the table in the curriculum. The reality is that we do have a lot of non-specialists teaching dance or Those who might want to teach dance, but for some of the reasons that you've just outlined might be a little bit nervous about doing that. But then we've also got this other tension here where if a non-specialist teaches it, what could happen to the integrity of the discipline? And so we have to sort of have this conversation amongst experts in dance about sort of where we draw the line uh, in terms of um, a young person's experience of dance in education and what we would absolutely expect them to receive um, and therefore a non-specialist would need to have the skills and knowledge, the ability to be able to teach if they're teaching it in school. So I think there's sort of a, a long way of asking really What are your red lines when it comes to teaching dance? If a young person was to come through, let's say, their primary um, experience in education, what would you absolutely want them to know, be able to do? Um, And do you draw any sort of distinctions? Are are there any sort of concerns that you have around the way a non-specialist might do dance, but not actually be doing dance? I mean, are there any sort of um, concerns that you have there?
3: Yes. Um, so I, I'm not a teacher, but I, I've heard that um, s- some ways that teachers are currently tackling teaching dance is by putting a YouTube video on of uh, a pop song with a dance routine and, and let, asking the children to copy. And Yes, they are moving to music, but that copying, for me, is absolutely what dance isn't about. We want the young people to find their own expression and their own way of music, of of, of movement, and not copying someone else's because it's it's an individual art form and, a, you know, a chance to express. So I feel kind of slightly anxious about that when I, you know, hear that that's what ha- what's happening. But, you know, an easy way to elaborate from that or to build from that is to then ask the, you know let them copy a section but then just play the music and see what happens for the next bit so that at least they're then bringing in their own moves because like for me you know a red line is that the the movement needs to come from the dancer and you know sort of we don't want them to teach A set routine that hasn't come from them. We want them to explore their bodies and explore their creativity in their bodies. So, yes, you can use a tool of, you know, sort of a YouTube video, but let that be the starting point. Let that be the starting point um, that gives them the confidence to start a movement but then to finish it in their own way or to then work with with a partner and see how can you turn that into a duet or into a group piece or take that choreography of you know the first few bars and then make it your own so um I think you know for me a red line is if they're only copying somebody else's movement and it's not their own and You know, I'd like to to see for them to find their own expression.
2: And, And I would add to that, that, you know, people, I think, assume that dance of all kinds is about a choreographer teaching steps to dancers. And that isn't what happens in contemporary dance it's always, always a collaboration between the choreographer and the dancers in the room. And that's one of the reasons why it's a rich art form. And it's one of the reasons why dancers are really inventive, creative people. And if we can use that in the classroom, if the people participating, if the students have an opportunity to be part of that co-creation, then they're going to find it a much richer experience and real really tap into their own creativity and ability to express themselves.
1: And you referred to it earlier on, it really struck me, as its own unique language dance. Mm-hmm. And of course, language is sort of, it has a syntax, it has rules that we learn, and then we can create by manipulating the rules in a slightly different way, using them in a different way. So are there any sort of fundamental elements of dance that even a, an untrained, non-specialist dance teacher might be able to sort of come to know, understand and then help the young people use to form their own sort of self-expression?
3: Yeah. So I think you're touching there on on sort of freedom and form. When we listen to a piece of music, we can offer freedom to, to, to express and respond to that in a physical way. But then we can add some form and some guidelines and say, okay, but now make the movements high or now make the movements low. So that the freedom is offered in the start so that we we see what, what comes out. But then you offer the form and then you say, okay, can you do that in a different way? So you're staying with their moves, but asking them to explore. presenting them in a different way so that the, the play between freedom and, f- and form and the, the dynamic sort of conversation that happens there is in a way a dance language and I, I suppose you know for me I actually did languages at university and I, you know I, I love languages too but um it, it dance is its own, own language isn't it and it, it, it is possible to tell stories through dance and to so it, it, it's, it's just a physical language.
2: Yeah. yeah, but it's worth saying that dance isn't mime. It's a, it's, a, no. it's a very distinctive form and it's not just about illustrating a story in the body. It's about expressing things beyond words. It's not drama without the words. It's something quite different and can express things beyond what mine can do and I think that's an important distinction and of course that's really hard for people because many people don't feel confident when they're leading dance sessions because they haven't got that experience or they have the fear of of modelling or uh, of being vulnerable enough to take part but it's really important I think that everybody in the room is taking part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm no dancer nobody would ever pay to watch me dance but you know occasionally we go into the studio and all of us work with the dancers for a for a class or for some exercise that we're doing in pre- preparation for a project and actually it's it, it's joyous to be somebody who is not a dancer in the space yeah. with our dancers and being inspired by them to move and in doing something that i would that is way outside of my comfort zone and something that i wouldn't normally do but i know that i learn something and i express myself in a different way when that happens
3: that's the the mirror neurons isn't it so that's why you know dancing can be so creative because every time we dance with a different person we will dance in a different way because each different person that we dance with is a new relationship that will bring out something different in us so that in itself you know, it was a great tool for teachers to invite the young people to dance with different partners because there's a new energy that's created with each different partner and that's what makes it so live and in the moment and fun and they it's you know possible to find the joy of movement in in different ways and so that's probably like you enjoy dancing with the dancers and it will bring a, a different energy, won't it? Every time you dance with a different person, there's a different, a different Complete. something Absolute. new is created, but that will come out in your movements too. You will move in a different way. Mm. Um, it may be subtle, you may be doing the same moves with that same dancer, but it will look different because of the way that you're responding together, which is, you know, all about exploring our, ourselves, our, our, our bodies and being creative.
0: We've talked a lot about uh, non-specialists getting involved in dance, uh, non-specialist teachers having the confidence to get involved. Just to kind of flip it around for a moment, I think all of our art forms have another thing in common, which is that... At the sort of very elite end, there have, you know, there's been some reckonings in our art forms in terms of the way that that at the elite end, you know, some of the attitudes, some of the way things are done, some of the ways feedback is given. Certainly in the music conservatory world, we you know, we've had some reckonings, some sports as well. And there's that, I mean, we have we have this term musicianism in music, the idea that you will put the outcomes ahead of the well-being of the people involved because you're more interested in the outcomes. I mean, you've hinted as well at the fact that not only do you have this this thing about failing with your creative work in public as a teenager, say, which is pretty pretty bad thing to happen, you've also got the issue that quite a lot of young people have got quite difficult relationships with their own bodies at that age and that, that sort of thing. So, if we've got people who are actually very confident with dance, that's not their problem, but perhaps they've got another trap awaiting them there. How do we make sure that we actually do dance in a way that, that gives people, with a, a, people a lifelong, healthy relationship with it, even if they don't become a professional?
3: Yeah, well, I think contemporary dance is really good at that and and has been good at that for a longer time in that in contemporary dance, you will see all sorts of of body shapes that you don't see in the ballet world, for example. And I think contemporary dance is good at that as well in that contemporary dance encourages your personal um, expression and, your, and whatever you are is fine. And that's actually the stimulus that the choreographers use. Whereas in other types of dance like ballet, the dancers are, you know, I think that it hasn't got a happy reputation in terms of um, having to look a certain way and your weight um, being, you know, so important in terms of being cast or not. But I think, you know, that's been recognised, hasn't it, in, in the ballet world. And I think that's changing now, thankfully. But I also think that, you know, young people coming through today are much more celebratory of whatever shape and size they are and whatever way they present themselves, which, you know, I'm 53. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. And I remember, you know, when I was a teenager and still dancing, a a director saying to me, oh, you might need to lose a few pounds, Maris, and how crushing that was for me. But I think, I, I feel optimistic now that that world has is changing, and um, you know if you look at performances now, you'll see dancers of all shapes and sizes. Certainly, in the contemporary and musical theatre world, anyway, um, yeah. and that's great.
2: I, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we had our annual youth dance night um, mm. in our base in at the dance house in Cardiff Bay, when I think about seven different youth companies from around yeah. Wales came together to perform. And what an amazing group of companies. I mean, they were, from, they were from all over. And what was joyous about that was to see the range of people on stage showing what they could do you know and they could do amazing things and they were compelling performers and so i think what maris mm-hmm. says i i take great hope from what yeah. i saw on that evening because it felt like the diversity of young people were on stage mm-hmm. uh, it was yeah. it was brilliant
3: we've 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 come on leaps and bounds i think as as an industry in that sense isn't it you know it's much more inclusive now which is wonderful because I think it's awful that, you know, in the past so many really have suffered. And and going
1: back to another sort of facet of that, that Paul, you mentioned earlier on, which is the sort of the gender divide that tends to happen at secondary and with particularly uh, male identifying pupils who might think that dance is not for them um, for whatever reason. How do you tackle that in your education work how do you sort of attempt to sort of dispel those myths and and break down some of those
3: stereotypical views about male identifying people in dance and and how that changes We're actually doing some work on that right now. So Garfield Western Foundation have given us some funding to tackle inclusivity in dance. And we have been approaching the secondary school PE teachers to take over a boys PE class. We have a a wonderful engagement artist called Jack, um, who's male identifying, and Liam Wallace, another male. And they are going into schools to taking over boys PE lessons. And You know, we've carefully designed what that workshop looks like so that it is very physical, they're throwing each other around in the way that only trained dancers can. So for the boys PE who may be doing rugby or football, it it looks impressive and it looks strong. So we're, you know, we're purposely trying to get over the myths that dance is, you know, for girls or prissy, because it's not extremely physical and you need to be really strong. So um, we're we're working on that now. And obviously any male identifying dancers that we meet being particularly encouraging to... Um, And we're also working with the other, with dance schools in the community to um, support them where they've got male identifying dancers. So we're we're going in to do workshops for them too, so that they meet us and, you know, know that we exist and we're encouraging them to join our Young Associates programme, for example. But but it is it is really hard, I have to say. You know, it's really hard to get into a boys' PE class because of all the, the, the pressures that the male P E teachers have in terms of getting the rugby team to be the best that they can be or football. Rugby and football take such a precedent that they don't want to lose that lesson on that training session by giving us, you know, the time to deliver a dance session. So there are there, there are not that many um, PE teachers that are open to having us, but we we are doing what we can there because, you know, for all the reasons we said, we you know, we want boys out there too, to enjoy dance too, and we know how much it can bring them. So I'd it's also, a challenge, but...
2: I think the other... I mean, our other strategy is to make sure that primary age mm. children get the experience of dance and, and fall in love with it before any stigma takes yeah. hold. Uh, one of the things that we do is we were we've been working for a long time now in the village of Reese in Rhondda Cynon Taf where there's a weekly program uh, which uses parkour or free running as the as the dance form alongside beatboxing. And that group that we work with in Rees, both in the school and in the community are primary age and it's pretty much 50/50 male and female identifying. And our hope, and we've got some evidence to show that this is a realistic hope, is that as those pupils get older, they will hang on to that love of dance because of the exposure and the experience that they've had and the opportunities it's brought them. And so we do a lot of work with primary age children. Our Discover Dance programme, which is something we run really pretty much all year, which is a schools-based programme where seven to 11-year-olds get the opportunity to see a piece of dance, but also to learn elements of it and perform those elements of it alongside our dancers. As a model, it's a really good way of giving people a taste of dance. And we know that every pupil takes part equally, and it's not just the girls who put their hands up. Yeah. The boys are as
3: well. Yeah, they're they're as interactive as the girls. You know, it's it the Discover Dance program is is really interactive and fun. Um, so the children, you know, will be engaged throughout and and be moving. And as you say, boys and girls, and that's that's the joy of getting into primary schools. And that's that's why we're we're so thrilled to be able to do that work. Yeah,
1: just want to bring it back to. The subject discipline now, and to go back to non subject specialists out there who might be listening. And it strikes me that when we met with you about a month ago now to talk all of this through, one of the biggest barriers was knowing where you even begin with dance. And I know that you've been working really hard on an education pack that's going alongside a production that you've got a dance piece that's. about to be performed yes. imminently yep. actually as we're recording but within there you had a really great page about the three sort of fundamental elements like building blocks of dance I mm-hmm. wonder if it might be useful for listeners out there to hear about those because you know when you when you know this you can start to think about well how would I teach those and how might I manipu- help people sort of learn how to use them to create yep. their own pieces
3: yeah Um, Often when we're we're in schools, we'll take a a movement framework and we'll work with the body action space and dynamics. And some of the choreographic devices that we'll we'll use is we'll take that sequence and then um, work on it in unison, see what it's like when everybody's doing it together, and then maybe in canon, um, and then maybe different times, and then adding on a different layer So it's really clear how they can build a a, a piece stage by stage. Mm -hmm. And we are offering Spotify playlists and things like that to go with so that the teachers have music lists, because often they don't know where to start musically, but most people have Spotify in their schools and things, don't they? So we can give them the the playlists for music too. And... uh, I, I think, you know, taking a, a movement sequence and then giving it to different sort of personalities, asking them to express that in different ways, uh, you know, are you useful tools? Yep. yep.
1: I certainly found that And you know some of the adjectives you've got in there about dynamics about describing yes. movement as sharp or you know flowing and you know that that it's as soon as you get that sort of um, additional language and there's additional sort of elements conventions I think as a teacher you can start to see okay I can present them with tools to help them facilitate their their self-expression without me having to be the person in the front, choreographing actually a piece, doing it, leading and actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, they're really, really useful tools, it struck me, when, when yeah. looking at that education pack.
2: I'd also okay. add, you know, the um, the curriculum description, there's a section called Dance Discipline Specific Considerations and a list of about seven bullet points. Um, and it's full of quite technical language. We certainly at the dance company looked at that list and thought, oh, right, OK, This is really quite dense and quite specialist language that's being used and so one of the things that we want to do and we've started doing it is unpacking what each of those seven bullet points might be about in practical terms in the classroom. And so our artistic director, Matthew, who couldn't be here today, he's started that work. And so he's taken one of them, which describes choreographic devices, and then uses words like unison, canon, variation, development, complementary, contrasting, and so on. And he's taken that, and he's exploded it, if you like, to really get under what those words and terms mean. And we'd love to share that with, with teachers and make that available so that they can use that unpacking of those descriptions to really understand what teaching a canon might be, for instance, which uh, I don't think is self-explanatory.
3: Absolutely. And um, the, the other, going back to the teachers pack and, and supporting the teachers. Um, so we have a production of Zoetrope um, that's well, it'll be on next week, actually, um, but we're nearly sold out next week. Um, but we'll be coming back in April and it's a an hours um, piece that's been purposely created for Key Stage 2 learners, 7 to 11 year olds. And it's a really engaging piece. I can't stop smiling. You know, when I watch it in rehearsal, it's really good fun. But we've got um, we've created a, a this resource pack that goes with it. That's got eight different lesson plans that teachers can can use. And I think you know we go into quite a lot of detail about how to how they may like to deliver. You know, we make suggestions on how they would like to deliver those lessons. And they're all cross-curricular lessons as well, because, you know, a lot of research has been proven that cross-curricular learning is is a good way to go. And I I really believe that it is. And I think dance is a a great partner to have in that cross-curricular learning. So with um, our Zoetrope education pack, we've got four lessons that um, the teachers could delve into before coming to watch the performance, so that when the children actually do arrive at the theatre to watch the performance, they've seen an excerpt, they know what to expect, they know what some of the themes are, they know what a Zoetrope is to start with, because many many young people wouldn't even know what a Zoetrope is. I probably didn't at age seven. So it helps them just get so much more from the experience at the theatre and then we've also got four lesson plans for them to do afterwards which will help them express their reflections on what they saw and um, help them understand why they studied what they did before and just tie all of it up. So it, it's a it's a really useful resource, and we also have an offer where we'll go into school and deliver a, a zoetrope school's workshop as well, which we can do either before the, the performance or after. We'd prefer to do it before, but it's possible to do it after. <laughs>
0: that is a very neat segue into our something interesting and something to try, because you're right. Your your um, teachers' resources are absolutely top-notch and Thank then you, you provide things people can go and they can actually see some dance yep. so I, I guess the zoetrope would be our something interesting or something to try and what i really like about that is is i know that you're really keen that that schools don't just do the dance thing, tick it off and move on. And the fact that you put the performance that they come to see in the middle Middle. of that experience, I think makes it more likely that it will actually have some life beyond.
3: Yep, yep. That's what we want. So we want them to, you know, be introduced to the work before they come. Um, because we think they'll, that they'll then enjoy watching it so much more. But we want them to think about what they saw afterwards and have the opportunity to reflect and to see how the, the subjects that they've been learning were sort of visible in, in the piece and to give them the confidence to talk about um, watching a dance performance. So the, one of the lessons is, you know, how how would you review a, a piece of theatre? Because like Paul said, many people are nervous about coming to see dance because they think they don't understand it. So we want to help get through that barrier of um, the myth of thinking that you don't understand it so that they have the confidence to just express how it made them feel. And there is no right or wrong answer as to how it made them feel or what made them think of we just need to empower them to be able to express that and have the confidence that well, that's what it was for you, and that that's your review, and that's that's fine. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Paul, this is uh, this is coming out in the beginning of 2024, and zoetrope is quite a new piece of work. But you were telling us before we started, this is actually going to be quite a long-term project. So if anybody comes across this long after this episode has come out, you might still be producing this for schools? Well,
2: we know for sure that Zoetrope uh, will be with us in Cardiff in April, but it'll also be coming back in the autumn where we'll be taking it to six different places around Wales. Uh, So it'll be part of our offer uh, in our autumn tour. And we will be doing that in the, during the school day, so usually at, at 1 or 30 in the afternoon uh, in a range of venues, as part of our Discover Dance offer, which gives people the opportunity to see a piece, but also, as Maris describes, take part in some of the movement as well. But actually, even before that, in March, in just a couple of months' time, we're going to be touring a different piece of work called Say Something by a brilliant choreographic duo called Yukiko uh, Master. Suey and Sarah Golding. They made that work for us earlier this year. And it's a it's a work which uses beatboxing as its soundtrack, including work by the wonderful Dean Wynell, uh, who's a beatboxer from the Rhonda-Kanataf area, who we first met in our work in Reese. He's a big star, and we were so pleased to work with him. But We've created a version of that, which is going to be touring to places like Barry and Newport and Astrid Gunleis and Blackwood and up in North Wales as well in Carnarvon and Puthali. So there'll be an opportunity for people to see that work, but also to take part in a kind of workshop structure around the performance that gives everybody in the audience the chance to to perform in it as well, yeah. to be part of that movement. Seven to 11-year-olds, it's targeted at, so very much that kind of primary age, and it's it's a great experience, and it's a brilliant way of giving people a taste of dance. Very often we meet young people who discover their interest in dance through those events, and then they go on and join our Young Associates programme, which is our youth company, for those who want to take it further.
3: Absolutely, and just wanted to add a Paul running alongside that um, we have workshops available so for any of the schools that come to see um, D- discover dance or say something or zoetrope they can also have a workshop so on monday for example we have engagement artists from all over the country coming to to us at the dance house to watch a dress rehearsal of zoetrope and to engage more in in the work And to devise together um, a school's workshop, which will then be available for any school in Wales in Welsh or English um, across the map. So those, those are always available at any time.
1: And as the episode draws to a close, where can listeners find you online
3: and on social media? Where can they get find the goodies? The, the goodies? <laughs> yeah, ndcwales.co.uk. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And at ndcwales is our handle on other platforms.
3: Yeah. Paul and Maris, it has been a
1: real pleasure getting to know you, what you do as a company, but to also get down into the depths of of dance as a subject discipline and hopefully listeners out there will be um knowing how to start and where to start if they're they're really keen to start teaching dance in their contexts i'm sure you'll be back um we'll be back with you in two weeks time and uh, thank you very
3: much to both of you thank you emma for inviting thank you. us yes, it's what been a great, great chat yeah thank you
2: You've
0: been listening to Emma and Tom Talk Teaching, a podcast about all things education presented by Emma Duha and Tom Breeze. The special guests this episode were Paul Keynes and Maris Lyons from National Dance Company Wales, and thanks to them for taking part. Podcast artwork is by Beth Blandford and the music is by Cameron Stewart. The studio manager is Adrian Raps. We'll be back in a fortnight with something else interesting. Until then, take care and enjoy teaching.